This podcast contains subject matter that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. If there's anyone left alive out there, there is a safe place. We have walls. The undead can't get over. What are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm just recording a podcast to let people know that there's a safe place here. A podcast? But how? Oh, I'm using Anger FM. It's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Yeah, but isn't the distribution hard? No, Anchor distributes for you to a majority of podcast platforms. All you have to do is hit publish. You can even make money with sponsorships, and there's no minimum listenership. Yeah, but I don't know anything about audio editing, so... That's the great thing. You don't have to. There's creation tools that allow you to easily make a podcast right in the app. All you need is your phone. And best of all, it's completely free. It sounds like it's hard to get started, though. No, all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, so, uh, if a bunch of survivors start coming here, won't that attract the undead? I mean, I guess so. What was that? Oh my god, they breached the wall! Alright, turn off the podcast. Everybody to your battle station. It's time to open the door in your mind. Sit back and listen to true horror. But be careful what you allow in. Because it's time to go through the fog. This week's story is, My Husband Never Leaves the Golf Course, and Now I Know Why. Posted by user Orion St. James to r slash creepypasta. It's not hard for most people to imagine how the death of a child could destroy a marriage. And that's really what happened to John and I. Jack was eight years old when he was diagnosed with an incredibly rare and aggressive bone cancer. We were initially closer than we'd ever been in the fight for our child's life, but ultimately that battle broke us. That and the fact that my husband never leaves the golf course. John started taking Jack golfing the moment he could walk. He even got him a putter for his second birthday, and they golfed every weekend for most of Jack's life. After Jack got sick, John continued taking him out until he simply couldn't any longer. Even then, John still booked every tea time for two, and never just for himself. Jack died on a sunny afternoon late last spring, and John and I started growing apart almost immediately. I got counseling and joined a support group for bereaved parents, and I begged John to come Instead, he immediately installed a statue of Jack on the Ninth Fairway at his country club. It was our baby boy in bronze, frozen in the finishing stroke with the club over his shoulder, his face looking off into the horizon where the sun sets. That's where John began spending all of his time. He left before the sun came up every morning. He played 18 holes after work every day. I barely saw him, and when I did, we barely spoke. 
I tried everything I could think of to bridge the gap between us. I even went as far as to buy my own set of clubs and learn the basics and surprise him one Saturday by waking him up. It went fine for eight holes. But seeing Jack's face cast in bronze was too much for me. We kept growing apart and started living separate lives. I started seeing friends again and began volunteering at the children's hospital in my free time. John slept in the guest bed, and it was hard for me to even know when he was home and when he was out, almost certainly on the course. I suppose that's why I didn't even notice when he went missing. His mother called and said she hadn't heard from him in weeks. I checked with work, and they said he'd simply stopped showing up. Friends said he'd been on the links recently, but nowhere else. And when I checked the recordings from our video doorbell, I saw he hadn't been home in at least three days. I promised his mother I'd find him and knew where to check. When I pulled up to the country club, the attendant must have sensed my frustrated desperation because he gave me a cart to go out and find John. I drove past each tee and each hole, save for the ninth. I just couldn't bring myself to see that statue again. When my search came up empty, I realized I'd skipped the one place he had to be. I called him and texted him, begging him to just tell me he was okay, so I could tell his mother without having to see that thing again. Finally, I drove back out to the ninth, calling, hanging up, and calling him again the entire way. He wasn't at the tee, nor was he on the green. Finally, I pulled off to the statue shielding my eyes from the setting sun, and there was John next to it. I called angrily to him, and I could hear his phone was still ringing, but he didn't respond as I stormed up to him. He was in the finishing position, just like Jack's statue, standing right next to him, like they were staring off into the sunset together. I came around to face him, and then I saw him. The sun shone against the high relief of his bronze face and the cell phone was still ringing inside his metal pocket Through the Fog was recorded by Haptic edited by Brad LeBaron, Haptic and Kevin Caravan and produced by Flyover State Park all stories are recorded either with the author's permission or with a Creative Commons share-like license. If you like what we're doing, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find the links to Haptic and Flyover at State Park's link trees down in the show notes. There you can find links to our podcast on other platforms, as well as Twitter and other social media and YouTube links. Redistribution or sale of this podcast is strictly prohibited without the express written consent of both Haptic and the story authors. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. This is Flyover State Park. You are clear to land.